This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today, wherever you listen to podcasts. is double g for the fight game podcast post ufc uh 253 and justin nipper is with me as well as our special guest he's back he did he must have liked us for the first show the preview show john moxley is back what's up what's up john oh pretty good show tonight i had a pretty good time watching it not as enthusiastic as i normally would be i'd be jumping up and down but i'm very very limited sleep. I flew back from uh, East Coast today, but uh, it was a good enough show. I kept my interest all the way through. I was really, really uh, enjoying it. Yeah, I was, wor- I was worried about a, a boring main event, what that would have done to your energy. No, it couldn't have gone any better. Yeah. All right, Justin, you're, you're back with us as well. Hopefully, yes. we'll be able to keep you the whole time. I'm here. For, I'm here. And if I'm not here, here, I'm here in spirit, which means <laughs> like I'm talking to you on some kind of messenger. Or but I'm here. Yeah, yeah it was people a, that, it was a weird card tonight, though. What what people may not have even realized uh, on the show that we did earlier in the week is somehow Justin had had muted out and had gotten kicked off, but he could hear the show. I couldn't see him, and so as John was talking, I would be in the background, like typing with with Justin, trying to figure out how we're going to get him back on the show, and then he communicated to me through messenger some of the stuff that he wanted but i think we're good i think everybody's logged in and we should be good to go here so quickly before we get to the show i just want to mention that justin and carlos toro will be back tomorrow uh covering uh, on the g1 cast covering night five of the g1 which is gonna start a few hours after we're done here and then at the end of that show i'll tag on John and myself talking about WCW Saturday Night from September 26, 1992, featuring check this main event uh, main event out Ron Simmons as as the as the champion and Barry Windham against the Barbarian and Jake Roberts on the road to Halloween Havoc. So to, so tomorrow you'll have all you'll have all that with uh, with Justin and Carlos in their G1 recap. So, John, did you have any action betting-wise on this show? Uh, I had nothing. I'm, I'm glad I did because I did pretty bad in my predictions. I went two for five. You but, were you were pretty first, close with the Blahovich fight, though. I mean, you thought he had a really good chance to win more than most people thought. Yeah, like pretty much what I was saying is the, the kind of the key indicator for me was Reyes saying, like, okay, now I know how to pace myself for five rounds. And he didn't come out headhunting all aggressive like he did against Jones. Mm-hmm. There could also be something to, like, against Jones, hey, you got nothing to lose. You're going against the GOAT. Just fucking go for it. And uh, But this is like, okay, now's my second t- chance in a row. I got to make sure I don't make any mistakes. Maybe that right. fed into his uh, less aggressive approach, or he might have just been trying to save his energy. But, like, we were talking about Jan with those – shorter punches like he's got power man 
and and he never even had to get into any kind of grappling. I was thinking maybe I was like, man, if this can get to the ground late, I could see like a third or fourth round choke for Jan. Never even got there. So that first like left or whatever it was he hit him with, and he saw his legs kind of go out. I was like, mm-hmm. it's over. It's yep. over. If it, if he gets out of this round, it doesn't even matter. It's over. And they, then it ended very quickly after that. So I was, I was very pleased with that. That was my first uh, successful pick of the night. So I was like, ah, Jan, getting through for me. <laughs> the um – the uh, the the one fight that I had a small bet on it, it wasn't really much. I, I just wanted to put something on the show. I actually had the over in the main event, so the under over uh, for the uh, w- when the main event would uh, finish was at two and a half rounds, and the pace in the first round. I'm like, okay, great, this is perfect. And the pace in most of the second round was similar. Just Adesanya staying outside, countering, Costa not really doing much. And then, bam, he he throws that counter left. Costa goes down, and it was over. And I was like, oh, great. This is why I don't bet on MMA. But it wasn't even a great bet. It was like even money no matter which way you went. So I, I thought it was going to go a little bit longer than it did. But for, yeah, so we it just, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the maybe the betting gods weren't on our side. But I did go three and two. On the night, I missed uh, Kaikar France. Br- Brandon Royval looked awesome, and of course, missed uh, missed the Blah- Blahovich fight there. Justin, did, did I, I don't know if you had any thoughts or any previews or picks on, on the on the card, but did did it go similarly to how you thought, or what, what were some of the surprises? <coughs> Not really. For, for most of the undercard and the preliminaries, I wasn't familiar with the fighters too much. Um, I'm trying to think the Roy Val fight. I didn't really expect much about out of that, but that was a really cool fight. Um, Roy Val looked awesome. That could he's really impressive. And he, he went on the mic afterwards and was just kind of bashing himself. He's like, yeah, it wasn't that good. But I mean, he looked great tonight. That was cool. Um, I didn't expect that. Um, as far as the semi main with Dominic and Jan Blockwist. Okay. I did something really stupid last night. I, last night I watched, I rewatched the, um, John Jones and Dominic Reyes fight from, that was from late last year, or early this year. I think it was like February. Yeah. Okay. So it's pretty recent. So I, I watched it, and it's like Dominic Reyes fought brilliant fight. Like mm-hmm. no lie, he really did. He and I, I had to change my mind, so I went on the Verdict app. That's what I use for the when I do fights, and I mm-hmm. changed it. I changed it. My initial thought was, okay, Jan could definitely win this if he gets his hands on him. He has big hammer fists. It's just like, and that's what happened. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how brilliant he fought in the past. When Dominic got rocked tonight, that one last punch uh, where he was kind of like, he really was trying to stay on his feet, but there was no way he was staying on his feet. He was yeah. he was wobbling down like Looney Tunes. But it all started in that match with those uh, those middle kicks. Did you see Dominic raise uh, his uh, his ribs? Oh, yeah. He was Dude, blasting him in the looked, same spot. Yeah, it looked like he'd been getting beaten with a sack of oranges. Dude, Real quick. brutal. <laughs> yeah, they, they, and that that bruise, uh, which it, it kind of looked like a half like a bruise and half like a burn. Like it was there, like immediately. Like I don't know. It seemed like it may have only taken one or two kicks for to get like that. But that that then became target practice, just like uh, Costa's uh, cupping on on his calves. So we'll get to the we'll get to all the the main card fights and and we'll kind of talk about them in detail. But before we do. 
There was I, I kind of watch um, John Jones's Twitter during these shows because he watches everything, and he kind of does a little bit of like a play by play of the night as he's doing it. And I was very interested to see what he was going to say about the Reyes fight. Uh, he was not. I mean, he was not a little disrespectful to Reyes, but not really. And he was very he was very good on Jan, but it made me wonder. I don't like. I know people are like, oh, now that it's not Reyes, maybe he'll come back and fight Jan. I, I mean, I don't know. Did, did I, I'm sure a really good John Jones will just technically beat Jan, but you know, at, at his at where he is right now, I was like, Ugh, what if he does get hit with one of those right hands? It, it might not be great. What, did, what, what do you guys think about Jones and how he kind of relates to this? whole thing does he come back does he does he really stay to heavyweight like why would he give up his belt like i kind of want i was just wondering you know because he's he's just so much the commentators and even jan talked about him after what you guys thought about john and uh john you can go first uh if jan goes on a tear and, and starts goes on like some three fight finishing tear and keeps calling him out or something maybe but i, I don't know it seems to me like he knew he had the chance to fight Jan. He knew he could fight Reyes again. He chose to leave that behind and take on a new thing. And he's leaving it behind. I, I don't think it's intriguing enough or worth the risk for him to come back and fight Jan. Or maybe he thinks there's no risk at all. But then, it, then what's he going to do? Vacate it again? Yeah. Who else yeah. is he, he going to fight after Jan? I think he's truly just set it aside and has moved to heavyweight. I think from... I think from what you've seen, but you know, you never know with people. They say stuff and they change their mind, and who knows? What do you think, Justin? I, I don't have a good answer. I don't get John Jones. I don't understand him. <laughs> I, I mean, and just like I don't understand what he wants. I don't. Does he want to? Does he want to fight? Does he want to make a lot of money? Does he want to do both? Does he want to be a celebrity? Does he want to? Does he want to party? Does he want to do charity work? I don't know who he is, so I don't invest any energy in that. Like I, I, I skim those articles, and it's kind of like the same idea, just a new situation, a new fight. I don't know if he's going to stay in heavyweight. It just and it all depends on what happens next. I mean, with UFC, sometimes just crazy stuff happens within a month, and then you have a t completely different narrative. They're just selling a different fight because something happened, or the way a fight went. You know, they base it on that. So, so, so my. Answer. My take is he knows that he's got more fights behind him than in front of him. And he also knows that Daniel Cormier would have been pretty big business for him. And he looks down the light heavyweight rankings and he sees a lot of guys who are probably more along the lines of more risk than actual reward. Like John Jones is going to draw just because he's John Jones. But, you know, Tiago Santos, Glover Teixeira, he's beat all those guys. Anthony Smith beat all those guys. Ozdemir. Like, who who can he actually really do, you know, a really big pay-per-view show against? I, I Probably not anybody who's currently in the top 10 in that division. Maybe Blahovich now, just because he sort of made himself on this show. But I'm sure he then looks at Nganu and Derek Lewis and Overeem and Miocic and goes, okay, these fights are not going to be as hard. Maybe. I think some of them could be pretty challenging for him. But they're bigger names, and, and there is some interest 
whenever anybody goes up uh, a level, you know, we, and people have been trying to get certain fighters to go up to the next level for bigger fights all the time. And so I think there's a natural inclination for him to go like, okay, well, this means I will make more money. The problem is with John Jones is he's looking at this situation and he's looking at, um, you know, fighting, you know, during this time frame and thinking that, you know, it is kind of dangerous. And it, it, is the money worth the risk? Now, the UFC has done a great job with this, with, with the whole uh, bubble and such that not, not quite a bubble, but the way that they do it has it, been really, really good. But I could also see from his standpoint, if he feels that he is, you know, you know, maybe he has a, a handful of fights left. Does he want to fight in front of no fans? You know, does he want to take less money knowing that, you know, maybe there's not going to be a gate? Uh, does he want really want to finagle, you know, contract at this point? Or does he just want to wait it out and see what happens? And so I, I sort of understand him from there. And he can wait because, you know, he's he's the greatest fighter in in their history. So he's there's always going to be a time for him to, to come back and make a big splash and be in the news and stuff. So I, the, the thing about Jones is you just hope that he keeps the news inside the the cage rather than outside because that that's that's where we've heard a lot from him lately okay so before we get to this entire main card we want to get to our bet online pro wrestling question of the show john has given us one pro wrestling question to ask it on a heavy mma show and this question is going to come from paul fontaine paul thought your match with Eddie Kingston on uh, on th- uh, Wednesday night had a little bit of like a New Japan-ish, G1-ish feel to it and wondered if it was intentional or if that's just sort of the way it happened because it was a really good physical match, ended with a great bulldog choke. But he was wondering like if there was any New Japan influence purposely. Uh Sort of in that I've taken a lot from just my experience in New Japan into kind of all my matches lately. But uh, Eddie Kingston is very, uh, very inspired, uh, obsessed fan, like uh, an encyclopedia on like 90s All Japan. So that's just that's kind of his deal. And uh, I was... uh, I had to get up early in the morning and do phoner media interviews. So I was all, and I had flown in, so I was all tired. So I went back to bed. I was taking a nap, like 2.33 in the afternoon. Tony Khan calls me, wakes me up out of a sleep. I'm like, Tony's calling, what the fuck? I'm like, what's up? And he's like, I, I think this is news now, so I don't think I'm breaking anything. But he says, you know, brother has, brother tested positive. I was just like, oh, for Christ's sake, this fucking COVID is every. <laughs> every week this shit get oh, so he, and I was like well what about you and Eddie and I was like ooh ooh I popped up out of bed immediately I said oh okay let's do that and uh popped over to the building and like it's just one of those things you just uh two dudes just go to the ring call finish and just see what happens out there like veteran trust and shit just like all right you know let's just go out to the ring and uh, see what happens and uh what a pleasure to be able to do that it's kind of a happy accident something really bad happened and hopefully everybody's healthy and everything and uh, i don't know all the details of anything to be honest with you but uh uh but it was fun and it was awesome and uh you know i, I 
truly enjoyed that. It was a nice, uh, it was a good way to spend a Wednesday night. And hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get to see the, the Lance Archer match still. The, I think a lot of people are looking forward to that. And uh, yeah, it, it was, it was um, when, when I heard the news, my immediate thought was like, oh, like this is a, a make to, you know, you, you promised this really great main event and when you can't deliver it, you got to do something maybe a little bit extra special. So seeing a, a, a you know world heavyweight championship match on Dynamite, I think was was exactly that. It was it was a make good for the for the fans, and it was awesome. Um, and you know, like I said, the 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 bulldog choke just as the finish is, is great. You don't you don't really. See, I, I'm trying to think of where I uh, I've seen that as a finish. Before and the fact that I, ha- I don't see it often, I think makes it even better. So I thought that was really great. All right, let's take a quick break from our discussion with John Moxley and Justin Nipper post UFC 253 to talk about DoorDash. DoorDash, I've been so high on these guys. Uh, my wife and I just used them yesterday. You know, we're in a you know, part of our lives where it's 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 really hard to, to to do anything, and so you know, having the food be brought to you is really the the best case scenario where we are. So DoorDash is that app that brings you the food right to your door, and ordering is easy. You just get the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat. Food will be left safely outside your door with their new contactless delivery drop-off setting. Uh, sometimes, you know, they're they're even more safe because, you know, you're sort of coming to the door and they're just like, oh, I'm going to leave it here. We're, we're, we're socially distanced, all good, thumbs up, and it works out. They, they've been so clutch for us. So choose from uh, any of your favorite national restaurants and also the local ones that are in your area. Um, right now, our listeners can get $5 off and zero delivery fees on their first order of 15 bucks or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code BLUEWIRE. $5 off and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter code BLUEWIRE. Don't forget, it's code BLUEWIRE for $5 off your first order with DoorDash. And now, let's get back to the podcast and talk some UFC 253. Let's get to this this UFC 253 recap. Let's start from the bottom and go to the end of the show. So our first match was um, Hakeem Dawadu against uh, how did, how did you pronounce uh, Zubara Tukhov? How did I, you I, pronounce it, Justin? I pronounced it Chukov. I thought I thought it was pronounced Chukov. But the but uh, when when. Uh, Bruce did it. It was like way different. I don't know. Bruce does whatever he wants. He's always <laughs> zipping around. Did you see him right in the main event? He was like, he was doing uh, like when you, you do those you fist touch bumps. Your knees. He was doing the yeah. fist bumps, but he does like when you in soccer when you're warming up and you're like mm-hmm. touching your knees, like boom, 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 boom. He was doing that. He was doing like tap dancing. He was. He was I don't. I don't know if he. I don't know if he meant to do this, but he had stuck his hand out, and Paulo Costa was just like, oh. You're, I'm, I'm going to fist bump you then. I saw oh, him no. do that a couple weeks ago. <laughs> he does Forget that all the time. Like, that's right, yeah. He does that all the time. Dude, if you go to a... I'm sure you... I don't know if you've but if you've had a chance to be at a show live... I've had a chance to be at a couple, like not really, just like two or three. And uh, um, 
seeing like they don't have the camera on Bruce Buffer as much. You know, they have it on the fighter when you watch it on TV. First time I was there live and kind of was watching Bruce Buffer as he was announcing, this motherfucker is going nuts. He's in a full dance mode. He's jumping, twisting, turning, leg kicking. He's like, he was like Israel Adesanya on his last interview. <laughs> and like, and I feel like there should be like a separate buffer cam. Oh, yeah. Ev- yeah. Everything he's doing. But like he... He often creeps, like they got the camera on the fighter. He often gets real close. I don't know if he's trying to pump up the fighter or whatever. He, he's, he creeps in close in the camera. The yeah. last style, but yeah, and you see him like <laughs> he's creeping in and maybe gets a fist bump in. And you see, you know, he's always sporting a nice jacket. But Bruce Buffer, there should be camera on Bruce Buffer at all times, even if it's like a picture in picture in the corner. So the the like you said the the couple of t- uh, I've actually I've probably been to about I don't know six or seven UFC shows but the the one the the one when I first saw him how close he got to the fighter when he introduced him was that was the thing that was alarming to me I was like oh my god like he gets right up in their grill as if he is introducing them for them like i'm going to introduce you to yourself like that's how close i'm going to get to you but he's great um what what just because you mentioned it what uh what was uh, the most memorable ufc show you you did get to see in person uh i've only got to go to a couple like while i was hurt and i, I live in vegas and they're like here on saturdays all the time but i was always working saturdays when i was hurt i went i went to, i think i went to two cyborg fights i went to cyborg and uh some Russian chick who was like a lamb to the slaughter, whose name I can't even remember. Justin, have you been? Have you it been was to the shows? Main event and uh, oh, it was a Holly Holm and Cyborg. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, and a, it was Khabib as in Barboza, which is really cool because we had a seat like right up front, and we were like sitting right behind Mike Tyson. And then my wife spilled a drink and all this shit, and it like went under Mike Tyson's chair, <laughs> and we fucking freaked out. We're like, oh, oh no. god, yeah, yeah. we we scared he's gonna get. Nothing happened though, but like Khabib in between rounds, we were like by his corner and he was coming up to the cage and Dana was sitting right in front of where Tyson was. And he just totally he's beating the shit out of Edson Barboza, and it's totally relaxed and calm. And he's like, Dana, what you think about my performance tonight? Yes, uh, it, it, it was just like, oh man, this dude's <laughs> this dude's a monster. He doesn't give a fuck. You know? So that was pretty cool. Yeah, Justin, have you been to UFC shows? To UFC, no. It was actually supposed to come up to Portland this year, but the pandemic, it was supposed to be that uh, Overeem fight, whoever he was fighting in April. But mm. um, I, I've been to like grappling tournaments and they're really, they're really fucking boring. Yeah. And they're like six to eight hours. And if you're Jeez. with a team, because it's there's a lot of etiquette, you know, it's like a re- amateur wrestling tournament. It's the same kind of vibe. Sometimes it's cool. There was one that I saw. Do you, you guys know the Mendez brothers, these jujitsu, like they look almost like they're twins, Rafael Mendez. And the, they're really, they're sick grapplers, like really high level top stuff. And they do just tore through everybody for like three hours. And me and some buddies were just talking in the bleachers, just watching that. But it's a totally different experience. I'm sure from UFC, I haven't been to any of those. I thought you were, I thought you at first, I thought you said the Menendez brothers, like, oh man. <laughs> no, no. So I've definitely made that uh, mistake that when I'm talking to him or like when I was typing to my brother about them, yeah, Menendez, not the Menendez brothers. I don't even that's think a, they're with us anymore. That's that, a different kind of violence. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little more real. It's so more hands on. I, I think the most memorable show 
I was at was the uh, Conor McGregor Chad speaking of Mendez. Be- and I was in a section, and, and I, I probably couldn't avoid them, but I was in a section with uh, a lot of Irish folks. And there was real, I was really worried after that show ended if I was going to like get hit with stuff. So uh, we, we hightailed it out, out of there. But it was, it's hard. Like you, you go through the MGM. Um, the MGM is just kind of hard to get out of. So there, there was like real worry that there was stuff was going to happen. But yeah, that's probably the biggest one I, I've been to. And, and that was, you know, uh, that was where he came out to Sinead O'Connor, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was yeah. sick as fuck. Oh, that was yeah. intense. Oh, and, uh, and the guy from stained, but mm-hmm. yeah. Oh man. I love this shit. I love the pageantry, the big fight feel. Oh man. I love Actually, it. that's a good point because tonight I thought there was going to be a lot of pageantry, at least for Israel Adesanya, but I didn't, there was nothing. I thought, no I, dance. I don't know. I didn't really expect no dance, but I assume, I assume like the answer to everything nowadays is, oh, you know, cause of COVID, uh, he couldn't bring his dance partners yeah. over. Uh-huh. My wife was literally, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my wife was watching with me. Literally. That's her, that's her favorite fighter. That's a guy literally only because of the dance. And I she mean, was very disappointed. A lot of people very were looking forward to it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. But he made up for it with a bludgeoning. Oh my gosh, he, yeah. he was awesome. All right, let, let's start at the beginning here. So, first fight was uh, uh, ZT, as as John called him in, in our preview show. We stick with ZT against Dawadu, and um, the this was technically a really good fight, and I thought ZT was going to be a little bit too aggressive for Dawadu because we talked about this uh, on our preview show that some the fights that I've seen uh, Dawadu is he he is almost too patient like overly patient and so ZT was kind of walking him back a little bit in that first round throwing that straight right hand he was very loose with it with his hands he was throwing shots and then all of a sudden it, it sort of stopped and I think the reason it stopped is because uh, Dawadu just lit up his calf with uh, with those leg kicks, and you know I don't know if you saw his legs. His legs were gigantic. He had gigantic calves too, and they were just a big target for Dawadu. And pretty much by the second round, like I, I know some people had uh, Dawadu winning the first round, actually had uh, ZT winning, and then the second and the third I had Dawadu winning. I think the third everyone had Dawadu winning very clearly. But still, there were you know there were, there was a, we saw the split decision. ZT had one of the cards, twenty nine twenty eight, and then Dawadu had the other cards. One of the judges had Dawadu taking all of the rounds. But basically, by the third round, I, either ZT thought he had the fight won, or he was hurting from those those leg kicks, and he just didn't want to get involved because you know Dawadu was screaming at him at the end of the third round, just like telling him you know to engage and he wouldn't engage and he's yelling at him. The referee, the referee says, stop cursing, be respectful. It's like, what? That's the first time I've ever heard that. That was, that was the best. No, he literally was like, like, it was like he, he was exactly, as you said, very patient. And I was thinking like, okay, man, turn it up a little bit. Maybe like, okay. And, uh, maybe he doesn't want to get taken down. I think if he could do it again, maybe the ZT would, would maybe try to take him down more. Cause uh, you know, maybe maybe he would. It seemed like that was where he would have had advantage. But, you know, then it's like he didn't seem – he seemed like resting heart rate, totally cool. Didn't even feel like he'd been hit in the third round. He just like – was just like, what the fuck, man? Are we going to fight? And he goes like <laughs> – we say like, come on, man. You want to fucking fight? Let's go. Come on. It's a fight. And the, re- the referee is like 
in the like most adorable way, just no cussing. <laughs> that was classic. I, but no I mean, cussing. It is. It is pay per view. I mean, it's not like we were on ESPN. So I I didn't get it. Like I wonder if he just like thought maybe they were on ESPN or something. Something but it was like, so weird. That something happened. That dude's balls twisted up in the third round. He got pissed off and he was just like, Let's go come on, motherfucker. But I'm like, where was that in the first round, man? You might have been able to take him out. You know, maybe he could have been a little more aggressive earlier, but Justin, I think you missed this one, right? Yeah, I didn't catch this one, but uh that review sent me, I saw that. And everybody I talked to said it was great, but yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I mean, I think Dawadu has real potential. Like, I mean, obviously you have to be a good fighter, and I think he's kind of on his way up. But I, I think he's got a little bit of star star potential there as well. Um, you know, the UFC will surely take advantage of his uh, of his background. You know, when when we can actually have fans again. But I, I really like him. I think he I think he's got something. And you know, maybe that like like John said that third round. Uh, maybe that you know lights a fire under his butt a little bit. And he he fights a little bit more aggressive. I mean, he he fought an excellent fight and he fought the right fight. He withstood ZT's first uh, first round of you know throwing a lot of bombs and he he connected with a couple, but he he missed a lot too. And I wonder if maybe he did get a little bit tired of that. But Dabadu wins, and um, I, I I I was happy to see it. And I almost thought. When I saw Khabib out there, I was like, oh, no, I made the wrong pick. Like, Khabib's going to pump his dude up. But Dawoodoo won the fight, so I thought that was pretty impressive. Yeah, I was hoping in the third round he would he would start trying to Khabib the motherfucker and take him down more. But he just skated in the third round. He just seemed to, he seemed to think he had it in the bag. I don't, I don't know why. And, uh, and Brother Hakeem, uh, he was not a... Uh, he was not in the mood for games. He was like, fuck you, let's fight. Dude, that was awesome. So, <laughs> mean, a big fan mean of ha- Hakeem. I'm a big fan of Hakeem now, yes. All right, so our second fight was uh, Sajar Eubanks and Caitlin uh, Vieira. Um, and this this was a... this I wouldn't say this was necessarily a good fight, but both women are very tough. And Eubanks, um, we had mentioned, you know, she just fought like two weeks ago, so a quick turnaround for her. Um, Vieira was supposed to have a different opponent, but Eubanks is, uh, was the change at the last, uh, last week or, or two there. And I want to give a lot of credit to Eubanks because Eubanks is just tough as nails. But from a talent perspective, especially on the striking standpoint, Vieira is just so much, uh, so much more fluid. She was just uh, longer, more fluid, and it seemed she didn't even really seem to be on her A game, but it was still enough. Because uh, Eubanks, um, you know, Eubanks took some shots. She she delivered some shots as well. I actually had Eubanks winning the third round with, with most of the with the leg kicks and a little bit more accurate striking. But uh, Vieira was on cruise control a little bit uh, at the end there. I, I I don't know. It's really hard to dislike Eubanks for she's she's got a little bit of a of a toughness and a charisma to her, but uh, she's not as good of a fighter as as you would wish. Rooting for for people like her, um, fight was competitive though. It, you know, I, I had I have Vieira winning uh, two to one, just like all of the judges. Uh, John, what did you think of this one? I thought it was a really good fight. Like, and what I, what I loved about it the most was the third round where. Uh, the biggest thing that surprised me was how much, and I, I didn't know, I wasn't super familiar with either of these people going in, so I picked Eubanks based on just that she'd been more active, and uh, Vieira had came off 
her first knockout loss and she'd been out for a year. So maybe she'd be a little gun shy or kind of like take her a minute to get into a rhythm or something. Not at all the case. She came right out, got in a clinch, started doing what she wanted to do. But the thing that surprised me is how much bigger she was. She was, she looked way bigger than Eubanks. And uh, not that that was a, the only deciding factor, but uh, the thing I liked about the fight the most was the third round because Eubanks is clearly down two rounds. And uh, she's like, okay, I'm down two rounds. Fuck it. And she started trying to knock her out and started trying to make it a brawl and actually go to, and Vieira's coaches were even telling her, don't get into a brawl, but she got goaded into a brawl. And I, that's one of those fights where I'd like to see if that was a five round fight. Mm-hmm. Cause it was like, it was pretty close, you know, like Vieira definitely won, but like, what if there were two more rounds and uh, Eubanks kept on pouring on with that urgency I would like, like, I would like Tyron Woodley to sit down and watch this fight. Be like, this is what you should have been doing for the last fifteen fucking rounds of your career, dude. Like, Jesus Christ. There was uh, a there was a moment where Eubanks' corner at the beginning of the third round was like, "Here's what we want from you. I want to see the left hook," and he said it in a way that I've never heard before. Put some speed on it. Um, and so I was like, how do you put speed? I, you know, I mean, maybe throw a quicker hook or, 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 or shorter hook or whatever it was, but I'm sure that meant, you know, something to her that I didn't completely understand. And right, you know, a couple minutes into that round, boom, left hook and it worked and it caught Vera off, off guard and that was best shot of the fight probably for, for Eubanks and, uh, really, really cool to see, you know, a lot of times you, you, you see the corner work and they're explaining something very technical and the fighter goes yeah 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 yeah," and then they get in there and there's like nothing going on relating to what they had said so it was kind of cool to see the the coaching work there but you know she had she only had one more round and it was it was going to be done yeah. unless she knocked her out yeah she fucking tagged her i wrote i wrote that down actually i was like oh wait. but she took it so only if we had two more rounds maybe it could have turned degenerated into an even better fight justin what, what were your thoughts on this one mm, nothing more or nothing new to contribute other than what John said about the third round. That's when I started paying attention. That's when I was really kind of noticing the match more. There were some slow parts and I was kind of in and out, but uh, I liked Eubanks' boxing. That was exciting to watch. She's, it was, so it was rocking by the, the end of third, it. It was cool. So so the third fight was uh, Brandon Royville versus Kai Kaur France. And when we had talked about this fight on the preview, I think the thing that intrigued me the most is, you know, well, two things. One, these guys are 125-pound guys, so you know it's going to be quick as, as, as lightning and everything's going to be fast. And, 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 but the thing was is I didn't have any real footage to watch of Royville. I, had, I think I had one fight, and then um, you know just looking at – he didn't even have a Wikipedia page. I had to go to ShareDog and kind of look at what he had done in the past, but it was pretty clear – that on the ground was was really where he was going to uh, to be dominant. I just figured that Car France, because of uh, being in the UFC a little bit longer, the impressiveness that I saw in his previous fights, I just thought, okay, you know, they're going to end up on the feet, and that's how he's going to beat him is on the feet. But even on the feet, Roy Val knocked him, you know, loopy a couple different times after taking a big shot. And so this, I, you know, my my thought process because I did pick Car France was, okay, Royville Royville's a house on fire. He's definitely like that first round was amped up. Second round, we'll see where the stamina is and let's see if uh, Car France could do anything. Nope, 
gets stuck in a guillotine, submits him, matches over. I was very impressed with with Royval. I, I think Justin mentioned his interview, which is a little bit of like a, aw, shucks, I, I didn't do this well and I didn't do that well. And I don't know, I think that even made him a little bit more likable because obviously he's sort of new to this and he just wanted, you know, he just came across as such a nice kid. And I don't know, I don't know how good he is going to be, but he beat someone who is real. And I think that will bode well for uh, for moving up in the rankings there. But what do you think about this one, John? Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. Like I mean, we both obviously picked uh, Kai up upcoming kind of top star, top ten in the the lightweights. And like we said on the last show, this Brandon Royval was working a regular job a few months ago. It's <laughs> yeah. Like he's brand new. Did one fight in the UFC. He actually after his only other win in the UFC, his only other fight in the UFC, he kind of did the same thing in the interview after. He was kind of like, ah, I didn't really fight that good, but I figured it out, and, you know, I won, but whatever. So that's kind of, I think that's just kind of his MO, which is very charming, you know, uh, and uh, nice to see. And uh, totally figured, you know, he just, because you don't, we just know don't know anything about him, you know, you got to put the money on on the established mm-hmm. veteran and, you know, he's going to Abu Dhabi. We don't, you know, this dude's fought in 13 countries. We don't know if he's ever been out of his own state. You know, we don't know anything about this guy. So, you know, obviously the money, but like, man, I wish I knew more about Brandon Royval. I know this dude is my guy. Now he is my guy. He doesn't give up. He gives zero fucks. He was he, like just coming forward, eating shots, taking shots. You know, maybe that's not smart idea long-term, you know, uh, you, you know, you don't want to end up like Diego Sanchez and, <laughs> and on, on the prelims in, in 10 years or whatever. But, uh, dude, he was awesome. He, uh, we were talking about, you know, we don't see a lot of finishes at 125 or whatever. And I'm like, then here we go. We see this crazy fight. That was like the greatest first round in quite a while, man. Like, wacky left hand. Fucking Judas effect, spinning back elbow. <laughs> what the fuck? That, that was exactly what that it was. was nuts. Yeah, that was nuts. And then, and then I was like, oh, I thought he was gonna do some Nick Diaz fucking uh, high off his ass Goga Plata shit. <laughs> when, when they went to the ground, I was like, you're kidding me. He's gonna do that. Uh, you know, I'm talking about the I can't remember who the, the fireball kid. They're, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah whoever yeah, yeah. the hell he did the. Like the, the home run or Hail Mary Goga Plata or whatever. Right, right, right. I was like, oh, we're going to see that. And then, and, uh, and then it's like, he, then he picks it, then he like shoots his quick double, lifts his ass up. I'm like, oh, he's going to Matt Hughes the fuck out of him. And then it's like, nope. It was almost like a pro wrestling spot. Like he'd like pick him up for his move and then he hooked a fucking guillotine. And I'm like, nah, nah. And then he got, then he, then he got the full body triangle and it's like, it's over. That was, I was like, man, everything I could want to see from a guy that I don't know anything about that's like, you're an exciting fighter. I will pay to see Brandon Royval every single time he fights from here until he retires. You know, uh, same thing as Diego Sanchez. (laughs) I don't, I don't care. So five years from now, I'll still pay to see Diego Sanchez fight (laughs) because he's, he's earned my respect. I like this Brandon Royval. And this guy, he'll come back. He's really good. I, I man, I was thinking like, man, I hope these guys can keep making 125, and I hope one of them or both of them ends up being a champion, and they have like a trilogy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's like a Liddell Couture trilogy, but like flyweights, you know? Because that's what that division needs is some like I give zero fucks excitement, you know? 
Yeah, so in, in the in the rankings, I mean, Car France was seven and Royval was nine. So you would you would imagine that he at least jumps over France, and then you know then you get to the top six with guys like Formiga and uh, Brandon Moreno and guys like that. So whoever Royval fights next is probably going to be a, a pretty a pretty big guy. So he's got his work cut out for him by beating someone like Car France. I think you know you mentioned sort of the some of the action and. He got knocked loopy immediately. He got knocked loopy. Not only he, not only did he go down sort of like to to a knee once, but he got back up and he was ready to throw his punches again. And he stumbled again like a second time. And then that's when the the Judas effect came and 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 he put Car France on on the ground. But Justin, so the the guillotine. We don't often see guillotine finishes anymore in the UFC. It's rare. I we used to see them a lot, like you know, maybe ten years ago. But can you explain why that is not? Is it is it just easier to defend now? People have, have can see it coming, or like, what's the reason for that? Uh, there's some chart out there actually that says that uh, guillotines. I think are. I think they're the most common, one of the most common submissions you see in MMA. I think more so than an armbar too. That's just my opinion. We don't see them lately. I don't know. That's just, I think there are trends too. You can definitely see some trends if you watch like, or if you think about one year and you think about like submissions, what were the submissions uh, this year? Like stuff like Gogo Plata or certain kinds of arm locks. They're just more, I don't know why if they're more popular one year, but Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll look it up later, but there's some chart out there online that kind of shows that. But mm, yeah, go ahead. So you're right. No, you're right in that the history of the UFC, like the most submissions are neck submissions. So chokes, rear naked chokes or, or guillotine chokes like that. So it's like, you know, way more than half uh, of the of the uh, submissions, su- successful submissions were neck submissions. I just feel like. You know, I haven't been. I, I've been watching the UFC pretty closely. I'd say for about the last fifteen years, and this could be just my memory, kind of. You know what what I remember, but um, if you go back like to two thousand and five, two thousand six, up until maybe you know ten years ago or so, I felt like there was a there was a guillotine choke submission in like every card, maybe even more than one. But just lately, it seems like they don't go to it, or if they do, it's just so easy easy to slip out of it. You know, maybe later in fights, it's even harder to put on because these guys are sweaty. But using using what you just said for the history of the UFC, this is going through 2019. I'm using some some data. So hopefully this data is legit. The rear naked choke is far and above the submission that counts the, the that's been that's happened the most but you're right guillotine choke is after that about half of the rear naked chokes and then armbar is right behind the guillotine choke in ufc history so that's pretty interesting triangle choke is uh there's been 68 triangle chokes through 2019 so that this is pretty interesting data wow i, I would have expected um I guess I guess I would have expected less guillotines, but then again, if I saw them a lot back in the day, maybe they they're they're just uh, not happening as much, but did happen a lot earlier in uh, the history of the UFC. But on the other hand, the techniques really developed too. So some things that we see, like a guillotine, can we could, well, the thing we saw tonight, the guillotine, he kind of put him in, he jumped him, he jumped him, put him in his guard, rocked him, choked him out with the guillotine from that position. But sometimes we see it when the 
uh, guys on his back and it just looks different. And sometimes it kind of looks like a neck crank. Uh, mm-hmm. some, sometimes the wording is different and definitely as the years go on, the people change the wording, but neck related submissions. If, if you look at it, uh, the stats that you just read, it's like, yeah, the guillotine and RNC from the back arm bar. It's pretty basic still. I think yeah, that, yeah. You, no matter what, I think those are the positions that f- fights, uh, fighters end up in, you're going to give your neck away. You're going to give your arm away. Cause that's what you're using the most. It's just, I, I don't think it's m- like that really scientific. I think it's just w- when you fight, you're going to try to hit somebody's in the head and you're, you're trying to use your arms. And that's where a lot of the, the subs are going to take place. I think. All right. So we had Jan Blahovich against Dominic Reyes and Reyes maybe had a good first minute of the first round where he looked really comfortable and he was throwing that kick. He didn't really throw his hands a lot. Obviously, he was trying to stay on the outside because, as we said in the uh, the preview show, Blahovich's is, is his way of winning this fight was getting on the inside and, and tagging him. And uh, you know, like Justin said, there was a there was a kick to his right ribs cage, right side, and immediately a nasty bruise showed up on uh, on Reyes' side. And um, you know, Reyes did not dial it up though. He stayed patient. He he lost that first round, but he didn't come out of what he what what his strategy was. But he also didn't do anything for the last four minutes of that round. So good round for Blahovich. And then in that second round, he just puts his lights out. So they, uh, the, the, um, I think there there was, um, I don't know what, what was what was the shot that kind of forced Reyes to fight on the inside because he starts trading on the inside and that's where he just gets beaten beaten down like hell. He there was, was not a shot when he there. got blasted in the nose and it looks like he broke his nose. It yeah, was, I, th- I think you're right. I don't know when exactly because it was kind of a part of a flurry. He he landed one. He saw him kind of rocked. He landed another combo. Dominic was rocked again. And then the, the, he threw some back and there was back and forth until the end of the fight. I, I yeah, think... Yeah, I, his nose know. looked like shit. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think he threw a he threw a high kick and I think it landed, and so I think it gave him a little bit of momentum to try to do something else. But the second he got inside, Blakovich's eyes got big, and he just put this dude's lights out. Ate a left hand, went down, followed him to the ground, fight was stopped. Uh, in, any other thoughts on this one, John? Uh, like I said earlier, he just... That, that was the indicator for me when he said, like, oh, yeah, I figured I had to pace myself. And he didn't come out in the first round like he came out in the first round against John. Using the the thing that I think is the difference with him and so many of the light heavyweights that he's gone through in the rankings, he's just an amazing – he's a great athlete. Mm-hmm. NFL player, whatever other sports he's done, and he took on MMA. He's just a great athlete. And uh, it was like he tried to be some calculating – mixed martial artist or something. He didn't rely on it. Just like, I wish he would have just like let loose a little more and been like, fuck it. I don't care if it's five rounds or three rounds. It's all the same. I'm going to, I'm going to head kick him or whatever I'm going to do. And, and thrown uh Wachowicz off his game. Uh, that's kind of how I pictured it. As I looked at it as like, he's this great athlete. He's taken on MMA and he got a shot at Jones and he's got nothing to lose. So he just went after him and he looked good for a minute. Then he gassed out and he was getting beat up. And, uh, 
But Wovich has got like double the amount of fights he's had. Like I said on the last show, it's like if you look at his record, it's like submission, knockout, decision, submission. Not, like There's just so many different ways he can win. He's got so much more experience. He's There's nothing he hasn't seen or any position he hasn't been in. I was hoping that it would get into like a, a, some grappling or some clinching or end up on the ground. And I, I, I could have seen a submission late for Jan, but it worked out even better for him. Uh, one of the things Paul Felder pointed out is that he caught one of his kicks like right at the end of the first round, and that made him gun-shy about his kicks because he was mm-hmm. trying to stay at range. That might have been where he wanted to get a little more inside. I, I, I don't know. But uh, those but Jan can starch people, dude. If you get too close to him, like the, the Luke Rockhold, the, uh, the other... Jude, I can't remember off the top of my head, but and and now uh, Corey Anderson. Oh yeah, and now uh, and now Reyes. Like he can, he don't need to wind up some big giant overhand right. Like he can just start you, and and I like it because I like it from a just kind of a storyline perspective that like okay, he at least never lost to Jones, so I like that he's the champ, and he 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 feels like he's like the legitimate champ. John mm-hmm. stepped away. He never beat John, but he never fought John. So we don't know. So that's a fun fantasy thing, but he feels like he's the true champ to me. And I don't even know who he would fight next, to be honest with you. It sounds like, if I'm reading Twitter correctly, based on some of the uh, the, the post-fight press conference, it sounds like maybe Tiago Silva will be next for him. Um, but, you know, if, if, if you're Jan, you're doing whatever you can do to get John Jones to come down, come back down, because that that would be uh, a little bit of a money fight for you. Yeah. Well, a lot of people think Tiago beat John, too. Right. I don't really remember it very well. I, I, yeah. I mean, he he did. He did pretty well against John. But it, it was also a fight where John was just like so disinterested, just you know which which he can because he's so good he can he can get so disinterested in some of these fights and you know not look great kind of like you know and you'd see anderson silva do the same thing uh back in the day but i you know i, I think with, with Jan, as a lot of his sorry as a lot of his fights are as that's why i'm more interested in seeing him in heavyweight to be honest like because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you're gonna go in there francis and gano you better not be disinterested, dude. You better be, <laughs> you better be pretty fucking interested, because you might get you might get seriously hurt if you're not interested. You know. Well, they're, I didn't they're, think about know, it until you said it. I'd book this right now if they put it on the table. I'd pay for it. John Jones, Derek Lewis. Mm-hmm. It could be. It could be a great opening fight. At heavyweight for John, and but Lewis hits like a truck too. Problem is, is you know, does he hit Jones? I'm not sure he he can actually hit Jones. But uh, the the other thing about about Jan is, I think with one thing about being in a division where may you know with John out of it, let's say John's out of it, everyone is sort of you know from the 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 top five is pretty tight, and maybe even you know six, seven, and eight are pretty close. I think the fights will be really exciting because there's no one who's going to just run away with the division. And so I think this will be, these will be pretty competitive fights and you could even see the belt trading hands a few times where it hadn't really traded hands except with John Jones and Daniel Cormier since something like 2011. So while that may not be the same division anymore, just on a name value and like a talent level with John out, it could be, 
more exciting just because of the competition and and you know the guys are a little bit closer uh you know one through ten or whatever justin do you have any any last thoughts on this one on john and dominic reyes no uh no it's like i just didn't expect it to end so quickly we only had one guy in our so we do pickums for uh for the website we only had one person pick Jan, and it was my 19-year-old. He, he, I, I don't, I don't even know if there was a reason why he picked Jan, but he, he's the only one out of the 11 people who, who had picks who, who, who went Jan's way. So that was kind of interesting. It's hard to beat a guy who breaks your nose in the first round. <laughs> I don't know. All right, take another quick break before we get back to John Moxley talking about UFC 253, and of course we got to talk about our friends at Bet Online. We mentioned them early in this show when we when we did the Bet Online Pro Wrestling question of the show, and for Bet Online, you know, football is back. We're not going to be at games this year, at least more than likely, but the action we we can get in on the action at Bet Online. Uh, from games, spreads, and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anyone else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. And please, don't lose like I did tonight on the UFC 253. I bet the over on Adesanya and Costa at 2.5. Really dumb. Costa uh, Costa lost in uh, even before the second round ended, so I lost that bet. So do better than me, please. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BlueWire at BetOnline.ag. BlueWire, all in one word. Bet Online, your online sports book experts. And now let's finish the show. John Moxley, myself, Justin Nipper, talking UFC 253. Yeah, then then the main event we had Paulo Costa and Israel Adesanya. John, have uh, have either of you actually? But I'll ask John first. Have either of you ever done cupping? I I did it once, twice. I've done all. I've done everything. I've tried everything, dude. Because I'm a mess. I've done the cryo, done the cold tub, done the hot tub, done the cupping, done the dry needle, done the acupuncture, and I'm like, I don't. Sometimes I'm like, oh, I feel kind of good after that. But the next day I feel the same. So I'm like, I don't know if any of this actually does anything or not. But uh, it le- I, I know what you're going to say because it left those marks. And yeah. I was looking at his leg and I went like, whoa. Are the- I was like, are those from those? Because he was eating his leg up early. And I was like, is that from the kicks? I was like, but the- it looks like the cupping things. Yeah, yeah I noticed the trying- cupping I was right trying away. To figure out a- I was trying to figure out if he was switching stances. Because I was like, well, which leg is he hitting? What? I couldn't figure out if that was like from the kicks or if it was from cupping, you know? Yeah. I know they did. They, they do a lot of the, the cupping you'll see in New Japan. You'll see the guys with the with the marks on their back. So, you know, I know it's kind of a, a popular thing, but you're starting to see it a little bit more in MMA. We, we see it from time to time. I, um, I dated a massage uh, therapist who studied like all of these different um, cultural sort of medicines, holistic medicines. And so she was telling me about cupping, you know, I don't know, this is probably like 15 years ago. 
And I was, I mean, I, you know, I'm kind of, I, I, not not that I think, you know, this is like something that's going to fix, you know, me, but I'm always like looking at stuff like, oh, maybe this will make you feel better. I, I never did it, but it always seems super interesting. And then now you see it a lot more uh, with some of this stuff. But I, yeah, I just didn't know if, 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 if you had done it, but it sounds like you have. Justin, have you ever had to do anything like that? Yeah. A couple of years ago, I, I had cupping, like cupping sessions and acupuncture sessions. I had screwed up my elbow and my scapula something like kind of near my neck some guy fucking he yanked my head off oh anyway uh yeah the, the acupuncture i guess you gotta go kind of regularly for it to work they say i don't know with my elbow i think it helped with my elbow like i don't know i, I was having trouble like i would wake up in the morning and i'd have some elbow pain but i, I don't know i just that I can't say if it worked or it didn't. I, I just haven't heard it since then. Uh, the cupping stuff, I don't, I don't know if I get it. They say it's for like your blood flow, like your chi. Or I guess. I don't know. My blood's the same, I think. You see, you just see bruises. It's all, it's all. Yeah, I actually have a picture of when I, because I was really, uh, I looked like a leper. I had them all over my back and my neck, but it was especially. Yeah, you, under- you usually see it uh, like like with the with the wrestlers. You usually see it like kind of like upper back area is where you see a lot of the cupping marks. But I, I'd never seen it on the calf. Yeah, before. that's what I was gonna say. I'd never seen anybody do cupping on their legs. I mean, I guess you can, but it's generally for your back. And uh, but I'm definitely not an expert on this, so uh, generally I see it on people's backs. But the thing that I thought was. You know, maybe maybe not smart. Maybe he really needed something done with his calves, but it was like target practice. Like he's just giving Adesanya targets to kick, and you know his his left leg. There was real real uh, swelling and bruises at the knee area, and then there were you could just go all the way down, like upper calf, like shin, like lower calf. Like he was getting drilled. Uh, just constantly by Adesanya, um, you know, John and I had talked about whether Costa was was going to go and, and be aggressive and try and, you know, really set a pace or if he was going to do like what Yoel did and, and just kind of sit back. I, I, he kind of did in between, I guess, like he didn't really throw his hands. He was way more patient. And so all that allowed Adesanya to do was just pile up the leg kicks. Like he was just able to, to just drill him constantly because Costa wasn't doing anything. Uh, his best shot was a nice little body kick. He he caught him right in the chest. And then most of the rest of the round was just gamesmanship. You know, Costa was pretending like nothing was hurting and Adesanya was doing a lot of feints. Uh, easy, easy round, I, I thought, for Adesanya. And then the second round... Um, he, there, there, there was just a much bigger talent difference in this fight than I originally thought. Uh, there was a moment in this fight where Adesanya was so good with his feints that Costa was like blocking stuff that wasn't coming. And then Adesanya was throwing stuff that Costa didn't see coming and couldn't block. So he was just all out of sorts. The technical striking, the counter striking. Then Adesanya lands a head kick. Looks like uh, he cut Costa right on the eye, like maybe the right eye. All of a sudden, there was blood on Costa's chest, and I didn't know where it had come from, but I think it came from that kick because then you saw Costa bleeding from from the eye uh, later. 
And then uh, and then he he misses. Adesanya lands just a left, a counter left, puts him down, finishes him on the ground, and does like uh, rides him a little bit on the back. I guess for the trash talking, and he just won very impressively. John Adesanya w- w- was he even better than you thought he was? Uh, yeah, I mean, I was told by people who are much smarter than me at at this stuff that. Oh, it's not even a question. I decided he's going to make him look stupid. He's going to pick him apart and make him look stupid. And, uh, I mean, it was what it was going to be the bull or the matador. This was 100% the matador. It couldn't have gone any worse for Paula Costa. They both came out very composed, very relaxed, seemingly very confident. Uh, you didn't know if, like, like, and I said, I was like, I wonder if, like, something Costa might do just to, just to screw with. Adesanya would be to do the thing Romero did and literally just stand there just to get inside his head and try to goad him into attacking more so he doesn't counterpunch you. And it seemed like he was trying to goad him in. He was doing a lot of like showmanship and like he'd kick him in the body and he'd make like a motion like it didn't hurt or something. And he was doing a lot of like kind of showmanshipy kind of stuff. And at one point he literally did just stand there like Romero, but not full on like Romero did, but he did it for like five seconds or something. And, and, uh, Adesanya goes, Romero. I don't know if you saw that or not. But like, he literally stood there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And Adesanya goes, oh, Romero. So he did it, but just like, <laughs> oh, he, he only did it like a little bit. So I, I think he did want to goad him in, but he he didn't fully commit in that direction. Yep. But he also didn't fully commit in the direction of going full. Uh, maybe if he could do it over again, maybe he'd go full Vanderlei, Vitor Belfort, early 90s, and just go bananas and just, just pray that one of those... Like I don't, I don't, I don't remember a time where he got him backed up against the fence and was just winging mm-hmm. bombs at him or anything. And Adesanya had to figure out how to get out of there. The only thing I can think is it was five rounds, so he was just going to keep composed and not blow his energy early. Maybe he should have just blown all his energy early. Maybe he should have just treated it like it's a five, like it's a three round, like it's a one round fight, and just go for it. Uh, well, I, I think you're right because seem, seem, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what his uh, strategy was. It seemed like he wanted to goad him in to engaging more, but like you know, he you know that's not what Adesanya wants to do. You know, so you're gonna you have to try harder than that. Whatever you were trying, and uh, he just got picked apart, man. It was it was couldn't have gone any worse for him. And then the finish came quick and it came ugly. And when he was on him, finished him at the end, it was na- like. I, that's the mo- I mean, Adesanya's strikes are so slick and perfect and, like, they're, like, something to have a movie. That was the first time I've seen Adesanya really throwing punches with, like, bad intentions. When he was finishing them on the ground at the end, it was, like, it was mean. It was, it was nasty. Like, he was, he was, like, trying to hurt him. Like, fuck you, you talk shit. He that was bad, and then you know the theatrics at the end of a sexual nature were even more embarrassing <laughs> for Costa. So it couldn't have gotten any worse for Costa. Couldn't have gotten any better for uh, Adesanya. And uh, I don't know what's next for him, but dude, I, I I don't know who I don't know who takes him out because he he looked. I mean, he was pretty much flawless tonight from from everything I saw. Yeah, the the thing that you said about whether he should just like let it all go and hope for the best. I mean, I think he probably gets knocked out a, a little earlier, but at the same time, what if he does connect? There there could be something there. But yeah, he he whatever the the strategy was for tonight, 
sitting sort of in that middle ground of, you know, Romero and, and normal Costa, it was just easy pickings for Adesanya. And as far as what, what's next for Adesanya, I think he mentioned Cannoneer on the show. He, he kind of brought Cannoneer's name up as, as a next guy because he's already beat Whitaker. He's already beat Costa. So Cannoneer would be next. Hermanson is in the mix. Darren Till and then Brunson. And then, you know, he's already beat Gastelum. So, yeah, you know, it sounds like that would be what's next for him. And then, you know, he, he's sort of in a similar situation, not not quite what, what John Jones was in because Jones was, you know, cleaning up the division. But he's beat a lot of the guys in that division who rank highly. So, I mean, I don't know. He He's mentioned going up to light heavyweight before. I don't know if his body is necessary. He, he seems to be uh, still pretty thin. Uh, he doesn't have a lot of muscle mass. He seems pretty thin and, you know, he's very athletic. I wonder if he loses some of that athleticism going up but you know I don't, I don't know what i don't know what else is left for him here unless he gets upset but that'll be an, an interesting thing to uh to to discuss in the future for him but justin any thoughts on on that destruction yep costa was an embarrassment tonight he was really unimpressive he looked like an amateur he looked like an amateur or Adesanya looked like an absolute master. And the story to this, I to me, when I, I watch it as a fan, it was like a martial artist versus a fighter, which is a huge... Mm-hmm. To me, I think it's a... I don't want to say it's a problem, but it's an issue that in the UFC, you got guys that they're there to fight and they they don't really have any moral codes or not moral codes, but personal codes. Uh, martial artists do. I think you could see that, and I think you could easily see uh, who's real and who's fake uh, in those situations. And I think Costa kind of came off as a total fake tonight. I, and I was—it's weird that this was a pay-per-view because it was built like this was going to be this five-round banger of a fight. And it was—I think, to be honest, I think the fight nights from a couple weeks back have been way more exciting cards than tonight's for sure. Yeah, I, I thought, you know, last week's show was probably the main event, you know, notwithstanding, probably a little bit better, but I still enjoyed this show. And there's something about UFC shows right now for me. Now, you know, we, we talk about pro wrestling a lot and, and how, you know, you sort of peak for pay-per-views. The UFC has an interesting thing where they have cards just about every week. And if you pay attention to those cards, great, you'll get your action sometimes maybe not but really you know you're waiting for the pay-per-views and sort of this like monthly peak is exactly when i'm waiting like i can't like it's almost like i can't wait to watch the ufc when the pay-per-views happen and so the, the you know the show was was solid it, it wasn't a great card going in but i was ready like i was ready to see a big time fight i was ready to pay for a big time fight and I still enjoy the builds of their main events, and they still it still does it for me. I, you know, I don't know. It, it's kind of weird. Like just like every four weeks, I'm just all of a sudden ready to watch a main event, uh, a big time main event on UFC, which is, is smart. You know, because pro wrestling used used to be used to be like that. Um, you know, other other companies. Uh, you know, John's company. You know, really peaks about you know every two months, every two and a half months, and 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 I think that works well too. But for whatever reason, the UFC is able to get these these big main events in, and I'm I'm enjoying them. Tonight tonight's uh, card, it's like you said, it 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 was exciting. The the promotion for it, all the 
the pre-match stuff. It was great. It was good. It was great promotion. I was excited for it, but I just wish uh, it delivered a little more. Like it, it was great. It was cool, and it's great that we're taking it apart and talking about it right now. But ultimately, it was Adesanya just tearing some guy up for a couple minutes, and that's really it. It's just going to be. It's going to be another market. It's going to be. What was that? His twentieth win tonight. It's number twenty. That's it. So this is this is an interesting question that I just thought about from what you said, Justin, and uh, I want to get John's thought on thoughts on this as well, which is the art of sort of promoting. And, you know, Paulo Costa has great wins on his record. He has really exciting wins on his record. So you can sell that to the public. And the UFC is really good at, at, at this, creating these videos and creating the hype. But if you sort of pulled, you know, if you sort of looked at the Costa-Adesanya fight from, um, from a hardcore perspective, I think you could have predicted exactly what, had happened tonight. So I don't think it's a surprise to many that Adesanya was able to to do what he did, but the promotion vehicle of Costa, you have this really, he's a gigantic dude. He's super ripped. He's got some impressive wins. He's knocking guys out. You can actually sell that. But at the end of the day, what's actually inside the cage is one guy who's really, really good at this thing, taking apart this other guy who may not be, as good as the UFC sold him. Um, what do you think about that sort of the promotion aspect of, of that, John? Because the UFC is really good at doing this, selling a fight that maybe is not as competitive as, you know, John, you know, the, the casual public thinks that it may be. Uh, well, well, I mean, it's a fight. Anything can happen. You never know what's going to happen. So no matter how convinced you are that this is going to be a one-sided drubbing, you can get it only takes one punch kind of thing. You know, you never know. You never truly know what's going to happen. That's the, that's why this sport is so exciting because the stakes are so high and like literally anything can happen. You know, uh, like the Owen 16 team is like not going to beat like the Patriots or whoever's <laughs> the best football team. It's like pretty much not going to happen. Right. But like it was a fight. He's got two arms, two legs. He can knock you out. You know, it could happen. But uh, and even even if you knew you're going in with like ah, there's probably not much of a chance. I mean, like a lot of times you pay to see a Floyd Mayweather or a Mike Tyson in their prime, or you tune in to see a Michael Jordan in their prime, or we go back and watch that uh, Michael Jordan documentary that mm-hmm. came out to relive because of, oh that would be, remember, like that was the last time I watched basketball it was like when I was a kid you know I don't I can't name a single fucking basketball player now other than LeBron James, uh, so there's something to be like so if Israel Asanya turns out to be like you know one of the greatest of all time retires undefeated and stuff like that like a like a Floyd Mayweather or a Tyson or something or Michael Jordan, it's like I don't care if he's probably gonna run through this guy pretty easily I'll still sit and watch it because it's like it's like watching history you know. I'd be like, oh, I remember when I used to watch like Adesanya, like Merc guys and shit. Like, mm-hmm. so, so I almost don't have that much of a problem with it if I if I know I'm watching a guy that's something really special. Yeah, the, yeah. you know, you know the one that was. The Would one you have that- any problem watching the the what was the football team that was undefeated? The uh, like the only football team that went undefeated. I think the Miami Dolphins from like nineteen seventy. Yeah. 
two or something. Yeah, would you have any problem watching them defeat somebody forty-two to nothing? Because you'd be like, no, you're like you're watching history, you're watching greatness. You yeah, know? You know, so there, there's something to that too. You know, I definitely see that point of view, and that's why you know when Anderson Silva was kind of running through guys, you're like, I, I should watch this because you're watching a guy who is so great. You know, Floyd Mayweather is, is a is a good example as well. But maybe the best, and this is, uh, we're going back 15 years, but I remember the UFC was promoting Chuck Liddell right before he beat uh, Randy Couture uh, in in uh, the, their third fight. So he, uh, he he was he was light heavyweight champion. They did Ultimate Fighter season one, and then he fights Randy off of that show. Um, or was that was that the one? I, that that may have been the one. But anyways. There, he, he's got to fight Jeremy Horn uh, about, I don't know, about five or six months before that. And Jeremy Horn, th- the thing that Jeremy Horn had on Chuck was in like Chuck's third ever fight. Like Jeremy Horn uh, triangle choked him out. And, and that was like Chuck's only loss for, you know, like his first four, 14 fights or something like that. So they built up this hype video of like, oh, Jeremy Horn, he may have Chuck's number. You know, he's such a veteran. You know, Chuck's still kind of, you know, he just won the championship from Randy at UFC 52. And, you know, Chuck, Chuck was pretty safe with him, but he did knock him out in the fourth round. But at that time, I was like, oh, my God, like, you know, this is like such a big fight. At the end of the day, it wasn't that big of a fight. But because they have the history, because they promoted it as such, it did feel like a big fight. And I think they're really good at that because if you put Adesanya and Costa from like a talent level and a style thing, too, it's it's really more about the style. Costa kind of you know, everything that he does well fits right into, you know, what Adesanya wants someone to do to him. It was, it was, it, you know, you could come to that conclusion very early. Okay. Adesanya's probably going to win, but still because of the hype, because the guys played their roles, they were, you know, you saw that way in where Costa brings the white belt and Adesanya slaps it out of his hand. You're like, Oh shit, these guys really, you know, really don't like each other. And so I, th- I just thought it was a really brilliant promoting. Maybe, maybe the promoting was probably better than the actual fight was going to be, but it, I still enjoy when you get that style of promotion because I, I love it and I think it works. And then, you know, you, you want to see, you want to see more fights. You want to see big fights, f- fights that you feel are going to be worth your dollar because we see a lot, right? We see a lot of fights. We have a lot of wrestling. There's a lot of boxing. We have so much to watch. You do need those things to kind of stand on their own. Yeah. It's a, it's a storytelling. And, you know, like tonight, whoever was room for Asani and was like, ah, that Paul Costa, I can't stand him or whatever. Uh, and everybody in Australia and New Zealand, they're celebrating long into the night tonight because they're like, oh, yeah. hell yeah, you know. Uh, that That's why the stakes are so high, especially when it gets like real personal, you know, like it was with Covington and Woodley or um, whoever, whatever else fight you want to name, where it's like, oh, this is like personal. They're, talk- they're taking personal jabs at each other. It's high stakes. Like, it's going to suck. Somebody's going to lose that fight, and it's going to suck. Like, the bragging rights are huge. Like, the stakes can be so high when you add a little bit of uh, personal animosity on top of that, not to mention you can get your head kicked off. <laughs> but it's stories. That's why, in a lot of ways, it's the same business. You know, like, Jeremy Horn wasn't nearly a number one contender. I don't even know if he was in the UFC at that time. I remember the fight you're talking about. But somebody said, you know, the only loss Chuck has on his record is like back back when he was like an amateur and like Jeremy Horn beat him. What yeah. if we bring in what if we bring in Jeremy Horn? And he you know, and it's like he's avenging this lot. Like he's not gonna fucking beat Chuck, it's fine. 
you know, so it's like you made a story out of it. And yeah. it's like, oh, cool, I told it. And I remember it to this day. You know, like it's the same thing as when Hoist Gracie came back to fight Matt Hughes. What, I gotta fucking beat Matt Hughes? <laughs> a million fucking years. Fucking trounced. But like... So great. You made a story out of it, and I bought into it. Like I was like, oh my God, what if... What if Hoist comes back and defeats Matt Hughes? Like, I don't know, I bought into it. I want stuff like that to buy into. So, yeah, you know. yeah. So one one of the best ones I've seen, and this was local. So this is in San Jose when Strike Force was running. This is one of the first. I for for a little while there, off of my little website, which is more of a passionate thing than anything else, I was able to get some Strike Force credentials uh, because I was local. And you remember when Nick Diaz fought Frank Shamrock? Oh yeah. Huge. Now. That was such a big fight. Now, it wasn't as big of a fight uh, as as some of the previous Frank Shamrock fights because he was, you know, he, he had done such great promotion for that. But, you know, Nick, Nick, Nick was a star at that point. And I remember thinking, you know, the hype to this is so great. Frank would do these like these little like iPhone, you know, before the iPhone, but these little like in his home promos that he would put up on YouTube or whatever that were so great. And I remember... It was probably you know talking to talking to Dave. Dave was like, "Oh yeah, Frank's like a shell of himself. He is so beat up. I can't imagine he lasts very very long in this fight." And and you know Nick, Nick beat him fairly easily, but th- like that was that felt like such a big deal. But then going into it, I sort of knew what the actual thing was, but it didn't stop them from selling that fight because you're selling the personalities and you're selling the promos and you're selling the star power. So that was another one of them where I was like, okay, like they're doing a really good job here. Even if I know a little bit closer to the situation, what the real deal is still, I still love that stuff. And it's really what I think the UFC does better than, you know, almost anybody is just creating these stories that you just, you just get into and you have some sort of uh, emotional response to. Yeah. Or like, Ken Tito for the third time, really? <laughs> do we, really? Do we need to do it again? It's just gonna keep getting worse. But I watched it. Oh yeah, and I was all hyped, and I was on the edge of my seat, and it's it was exactly what we thought it was gonna be. But every single time, I I can't help it. You know, it's a good, it's a good story. You know how Strike Force ruled, man. How good is Strike Force? I was also so the the let's, let's bring Strike Force back. I know, oh, yeah. I know. Coker, Coker is a really fun guy to talk to too because he's such a fan. Like he's just I, I, so I remember. Um, so one of my uncles, he and Coker were doing Taekwondo together back in the day. So when I had, uh, you know, I, I've interviewed Coker a couple of times with Dave. And I just mentioned, you know, my uncle. And so he's like, oh, give me your phone. I want to call. Like, Coker's just a cool, a really cool guy. So I don't, you know, I don't know his promoting Bellator is a, a little different. It's a little harder because the UFC is such a big deal. But just as like a, a, a dude to like hang out and watch fights with, he's he's awesome for that. But yeah, like Strike Force, for whatever reason, I was able to get credentials for like some pretty big fights like Gina and Cyborg. I definitely had a credential for. There's some Nick Diaz stuff that I had a credential for. I remember. Um, there was a fight where, you, you know, after the show, Nick Diaz had, had beat somebody, but he he had a really big cut over his eye, and so you know we're we're back in the in the press conference, and it's so funny because some of these like strike force shows, 
the fighters would walk in and people would start clapping. And I'm like, wait, what are you guys doing? Like, we're press. We're not supposed to clap for anybody. Like, you're not supposed to do that in, you know, as media. But they were just like so big fans that these guys were just, you know, so, so much so big of superstars. So Nick is like, just doesn't want to say anything. He's got this cut on his eye. It's leaking. He probably should be at the doctor, but he's not at the doctor because he's at do you know he's at the post post uh, fight press conference. He's not saying anything. People are asking him questions, like one word answer, two word answer, like just not into it at all. He's like has like three different towels that he's soaking with blood because he won't you know because he's got this eye thing, and all of a sudden some dude has comes up to him and he's like, hey, and he's got like one of those old school, um, you know, everyone has a camera on their phone now, but he had like those little mini cameras that recorded video that you could just hook up to your computer real quick and grab the video. He's like, Nick, I'm from like, you know, MMA, blah, 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 dot com. And, you know, we've been a big fan of yours. We promote you. Can you cut a promo? And this dude who wasn't saying anything jumps up like he's you know he's doing his you know impersonation of like the baddest ass pro wrestler you've ever seen cutting this promo for this guy's random blog that you know probably wasn't seen by a lot of people but just like crazy stuff would happen at strike force all the time like that those few times i got uh credential to like uh the fedor and um uh, who, who who's the guy that beat fedor for the first time fabricio yeah verdum i was right. there but I was in like overflow media, so I literally have like my laptop like in the second deck of of uh, of the Shark Tank in San Jose. Just fun, fun memories for Strike Force. I agree with you. Strike Force oh, is a lot of fun. Oh, Diaz Daily, best round in MMA history. Unquestioned. Yeah, yeah. I, I still get to go to the, some of the Bellator shows because uh, Meltzer gets credentials and he gets two. And, you know, Brian Alvarez lives in Portland or, or Seattle area. Sorry, not Portland. Justin lives in Portland. Brian lives in, like, Seattle area. So he can't fly. He's not going to fly out here for Bellator. So I just go as, like, wrestling observer, you know, media. And Dave and I just hang out and watch fights. So those, those are some fun shows, though. Bellator Live, they do a really good job with just the ambiance and, and kind of trying to make it a show rather than just a normal card. Like there's, there, there's stuff going on and music playing and, and it's pretty fun time. But um, yeah, I think they got, they, they got their work cut out for them for sure. When it comes to continuing to run, I, I haven't been a big Bellator fan in a little bit. Yeah. I'm hoping, uh, hoping Hager fights here pretty soon. I would, I would, yeah, I would I'd love to see, I'd love to see him. I, think I won't, I don't, I won't reveal anything, but I'm hoping uh, let's let's get that going soon because I'm excited to chop it into bit to see that. Yeah. All right, so let's look ahead a little bit because they announced uh, some of the card for UFC 254, and I know in our last show, John, you were talking about Khabib and, and Gaith G, and we mentioned sort of how Chandler fits into that whole thing, but uh, this is an interesting show because. It's not starting at the normal time. It's actually starting three hours earlier. So those of us on the West Coast, I think the main card actually starts at four rather than seven. So we'll have an early night with UFC, which which rarely. And, and the East Coasters who often start watching this stuff at 10, uh, 10 in the evening, they'll have an early night too. So this is, uh, this is pretty interesting. And I think it's because... 
uh, I would imagine because Khabib is fighting and it's, you know, they're fighting in the same place, but maybe the earlier start time, maybe for, uh, for Khabib's fan base, uh, in, in Russia to, to, or, or wherever his, you know, his, his main fan base is for them to see it at a, at a better time. I'm guessing, cause I, I don't know why else they would start the show three hours earlier. I'm good with that. The earlier, the better, man. I'm an old man. Let's get it done. <laughs> Same here. Let's get. I love early let's get going. in the afternoon. Let's get going. Because then you can go out and do stuff, or just hang out after that. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're going to be hanging out after. We're not really doing stuff, but yeah, I agree. I agree with you. So the other thing that's interesting about this show is, I think there are six fights on the main card that they have announced. So you know, usually it's five. But for this show, unless things change, you have the one title fight, which is Khabib and Justin Gaethje. And then you have some good fights. Not, I, I wouldn't consider a lot of these fights great fights. Uh, and there's a lot of guys on, uh, on this uh, early card who you know, we're probably going to have to do some research on when it comes to you know, who, who they are and if we're picking fights and stuff. That, that we're going to have to do some research on some of these guys. But yeah, like, I, you, know, you, don't, you rarely see... Uh, a six, I'm trying to think of when was the last pay-per-view that actually had six announced fights on it instead of, you know, maybe back in the day, they used to show fights from the prelims uh, at the end of cards that ended early. But I can't remember a time when they announced a six fight card. I hope it's uh, locked they, in. Yeah, I mean, dude, it's 2020. The whole card could look entirely different by the time we get there. Let's just fucking hope and pray that Khabib <laughs> and, and Gaethje make it. And, and nothing happens and everything is good. And and it's sooner than I thought. I thought it was in November. It's like, it's only a few weeks away. Yes, yeah, literally so, like so four I, weeks to oh, today. Man. Yeah. I am stoked as a motherfucker for that. There's a good fight night coming up before that, too. The, um, Brian Ortega and uh, Korean Zombie. Like, oh, yeah. I think Brian, the, it feels like Brian Ortega hadn't fought in forever. Yeah, I, I think that's the week before. Yeah, that's. A, I think that's actually a Sunday night on ESPN, uh, ESPN Plus maybe. But it's a it's a Sunday rather than a Saturday show. Yeah, so that'll be pretty fun. Cool. Uh, yeah, you have, yeah, yeah. Looking forward to that. Ortega and 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 Korean Zombie. Um, they don't they they don't have that full card actually uh, built out yet. But uh, but yeah, so that that I mean that they they've been trying to build that up for for quite a while. But yeah, so you know, there's there, there's going to be some good stuff. John, do, do you enjoy sort of the weekly MMA show that you can watch? It's not a big deal if you miss it. There's going to be some news, uh, like, but just the idea of weekly MMA if you have the time to watch it or not. Like, are you a fan of that, or would you rather them maybe not have as many cards? Uh, I, for me, the more the better. You know, I mean. A lot of times I don't have time or can't or I'm not familiar with everybody on the card. Uh, maybe just the main event or something or I'll, if I got time, I'll check it out. Or if I'm just at home, I'll throw it on if I'm not doing anything or whatever. But, uh, I mean, this summer, if you're a fight fan, it's been like as much as everything got screwed up in the world with uh, COVID and everything. If you're a fight fan, all these Fight Island cards and all these Apex cards and something about the uh, the empty arena has kind of changed the intensity of the fights, mm -hmm. which has been interesting. So if you're a fight fan, it's been a hell of a summer. But pretty much every Saturday, I'm like, is there UFC this weekend? Oh, this weekend's Korean Zombie. Or, oh, this weekend's Michael Chandler or whatever, Tony Ferguson or whatever. Like, it's like, it seems like there's something every weekend. So, I mean, it's a smorgasbord. So, I, I, 
feel like you, nowadays you couldn't be happier if you're a fight fan. You got that contender series too. That's pretty good. Do you yeah, do you I watch that stuff, Justin? Was that? Do you watch the contender stuff? I I don't watch it weekly, but some I, I caught up on it a couple weeks ago. Um, there's some good fights. It's there's a guy that fought in the prelims tonight. Uh, William Knight, this guy from Hartford, big mm-hmm. big guy. He was just on it a couple weeks ago. So I think it's cool if you're if you want to preview some of the. Uh, prelim or undercard fights for upcoming fights because i think they're it's like a feeder system for yeah the abu dhabi and apex uh cards so yeah it's cool yeah i haven't haven't checked it out but i heard that like some of the guys are really going for it yeah they're like literally fighting for a contract exactly fighting for their job kind of like kind of like early ultimate fighter like they're really going for it if i would recommend one episode i forget which one it was i think it was last week where the guy Jordan Jordan Williams he got cut last year or he didn't make it last year on the contender. You guys remember that story when Dana like he, there was a, a kind of a controversial finish on one of the fights and he got another chance and basically spoiler he, he came in and he knocked this guy out in 2 seconds. It was a great story. I think it's I think it's from a couple weeks ago. Jordan Williams? I don't know. Some somebody from a fight game can help me out. Come on guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't I don't know cuz I don't watch it but I know you know, the the diehard fans, you know, guy, guys like, uh, you know, Rand Frederick, I've named him on this show before, who's, you know, he he's pretty he's pretty close on the inside. He knows stuff that's going to happen. And, you know, his his uh, Monday, his Monday column on, on our website, you know, he, he's he's like a, a couple weeks ahead of some of the the main guys uh, on stuff. So he, you know, he he wa- but he watches it. I know Jason Hagholm, who's also on our website. He watches it because those guys are like diehard when it comes to this stuff. I've seen Ryan all over tonight's broadcast. His tweets, his <laughs> yeah, round scores. He, he told, yeah, he told me he was getting a lot of crap for having um, Dawadu win the first round. Uh, against uh, against ZT, he said, you know, there was like three or four people who just like were yelling at him for having actually Dawadu win that race. I'm like, I'm like, yeah, Whatever. just block those guys. This is this is why uh, this is why uh, you know you gotta be careful with your social media, or just be like John and just have like 700 million followers and like tweet like two or three times. Like that's the real way to do it. Yeah, it's uh, it's not for me. <laughs> I, it, I, every once in a while, some outgoing information that is pertinent to promote or something, or if I'm asked to promote something specifically, but uh, it's not for me. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's kind of crazy the way people use it too. There, there's there's supposedly there's some like Netflix doc about social media that everyone's been watching. That social kind of oh, yeah. watch, yeah. Social oh yeah, media. I saw it. Yeah. Did you watch it? How- yeah, yeah. Oh, I seen it. Yeah, Good? it'll freak you out. Yeah, it was yeah. Shoot. The world, the world is just going to shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of against. I, I don't really want to watch it because, you know, I, I'm I'm I, I use my Twitter. We have our Facebook group. I I enjoy using those, and I feel like I am disciplined in using them, and I know how to use them, and I know how to you know, not get tied up and stuff, but I'm going to watch this thing and go, Oh no, I need to get rid of all my accounts. And so I don't want to watch it yet. Sounds like a bummer. All right. <laughs> all right. So just a couple of uh, more notes about the, the shows. Uh, so next week we have, uh, 
We have another show coming from Yaz Island. It's this one is on US uh, ESPN, so this is not on ESPN Plus, but it is Holly Holm and Irene Aldana. Aldana knocked out Caitlin uh, Vieira. That was Caitlin's l- loss before was to Aldana. So Aldana gets Holly Holm. And uh, Duran DeMay and, and Juliana Pena is also on this fight. But how's this for a fight in 2020? Carlos Condit against Court McGee. I had no idea either of those guys were still fighting. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I, are they in shape? Have they fought recently? Are they active? Or is this just like a... Uh... So Condit last fought, last fought uh, almost two years ago. He's on a five... A fight losing streak. Nice. Lost to uh, Michael Chiesa uh, in uh, a couple a couple years ago, December December two thousand and eighteen. So he's he I I for I mean I I'm thinking this is like a comeback fight for him because I thought he was uh, he was hanging him up, and then Court McGee he last fought um, last year. Uh, it's, so it'll be it'll be almost a year for him. He's coming off of uh, lost four out of his last five, and he lost to Sean Brady in his last fight. So, I mean, it's two guys who are just yeah. It's got to be like a you know loser leaves town match <laughs> or something with these guys. Cool. Bring it on! Uh, it's sentimental, sentimental favorites, man. Like, I can't. That'd probably be the fight I'm most interested to watch on the entire card, just from a sentimental. It's like watching Diego Sanchez. From you just you want to. Maybe, you never know if maybe this is their last fight. They're going to retire. You want to maybe they'll go out with a win. Carlos Condit just got his soul sucked out of him in that Robbie Lawler fight. Oh yeah, he should have hung him up right there. But I wouldn't mind seeing uh, UFC with a masters division, like an over certain age, like over forty, bringing some of the old guys, spice up the card a little. Yeah, bit. maybe maybe a little different rules make yeah. it a little safer, or like shorter uh, rounds, or like I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I'd be into that. I think a lot of people. I mean, I, I think you. I think you could move certain guys into the that. But the problem is, is how, you know. I, I think for those guys, they'll be like, okay, well, what am I going to get paid? That's true. And too. if you, you know, if you change the pay scale based on that division, I don't. I don't think those guys would be too interested. But the 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 opposite side of that is, you could get, you know, Frank or not Frank, but uh, Ken Shamrock. You know, fighting at the end of his career against all of these older guys, and you know, just looking horrendous. So you'd have to also put a limit on that, on on what you could do when it comes to stuff like that. Well, I guess that's why those like why they have the, like the grappling uh, events. Sometimes they have big matchups between like big names, like the Polaris and the uh, or what's the one, the Quintet. Mm-hmm. We see fun matchups. That, that, but it's just grappling. Nobody's getting their face smashed in. Man, maybe one day they'll do that, and you know, on a fight night, they'll have, we're all, oh, we're gonna have a, you know this fight and this fight. We're also gonna have a special grappling match between Ken Shamrock and Carlos Condit or some whatever. I don't know, you know, some weird shit like that. Uh, that I don't know, that could be cool. Yeah, I, I mean, I'd be interested. I, I actually like the quintet idea, and I want to go to a quintet show. You know, when we can start going back to shows, I heard it. I heard they're really fun, but still, like, how, you know, how do you? I ultimately, you know, you got to make money on them, and and I, I would, I'd be interested in, in if they have ideas to do that because that kind of stuff is 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 fun, and you get to see names and people you you haven't, you know, you grew up watching or or whatever. But uh, yeah, the, the, it's it's so hard to sell to to this audience. I think just the the idea of grappling. There's going to be one um, next okay. month, actually, in Tokyo. 
Oh, is yeah, Sakuraba's holding it. Quintet nice. five. Wow. Any uh, any name U.S. guys? Uh, no, I think it's mostly Japanese. Uh, yeah, players probably getting into that country. Although I did hear that they're gonna do a Sakuraba versus. I don't know if you guys know Takashi Sugiura. He's like a he's the Noah. He's kind of like a stocky, like a uh, amateur wrestler background. He was in Noah early on. They're gonna have a Greco Roman oh, Iron wow. Man match. They're gonna do Greco Roman wrestling rules, and they're gonna have a like a. I guess a pro wrestling Greco Roman match. I don't know the details, but that was just announced, I think, a week or so ago. Seems interesting. I'll watch anything Sakuraba does. Yeah. I'm already sold. I think it's going to be on UFC Fight Pass. I think those shows are on uh, the Fight Pass channel. I'll watch Sakuraba make pancakes. I don't <laughs> it's a cool. It's like it's like Polaris. It's like a team. It's like a team thing. So it's like yeah, one guy uh, loses, the other guy comes in, and the rules are more complex than that. But it's cool. All right, so after the uh, the home Aldana fight, then we have more uh, Marlon Moraes against Corey Sandhagen, which should be a, a really good fight. Um, the uh, that that is USP, UFC on ESPN Plus, so that will be the following week. And then we mentioned the Ortega and Korean Zombie fight, and then the pay per view. So yeah, you know, there's going to be some good stuff coming up, and we'll see what happens. Uh, with Khabib and Gaethje, I think I think that's going to be pretty big. Obviously, it's Khabib's you know comeback fight. He hasn't fought in a while. He's been out. Obviously, his father passed away, so there's stuff there for him. And Gaethje is one of the uh, COVID nineteen stars. You know, made you know re- really uh, that that fight with um, uh, what was it Ferguson? Who did who did he fight? Ferguson. Yeah, yeah Ferguson. Yeah. That I mean that fight. You know that they did big business and a lot of it was because there were no sports going on. So people were, you know, chomping at the bit to pay for something to watch, but still, I think he made himself uh, into, into a star off of that fight. And uh, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be a big show. So we will, uh, we will look for, look forward to that. Yeah, one I feel like well. it has to be, it has to be at least as big as the Ferguson fight. Cause I don't think you could watch the Ferguson fight and then not want to see him complete the, transaction so to speak and get the real belt with Khabib you know I feel like it has to be at least as big I could be wrong I don't it's not my it's not my forte to predict that stuff and I don't really care one way or the other but I feel like it has to be just as big you know yeah so all right so that is it from here so UFC 253 recap I want to thank John for coming back we didn't scare him away Justin he 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 came back with us and also Justin Appreciate you and your internet for uh, hanging in yeah. there for us. Sweet new mic. And the new mic. Yes, you sound a lot. You sound really good. So uh, good stuff on that. But uh, for John and Justin, I am Double G. We will see you when we see you. Peace out.